This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. There seems to be a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel for Volkswagen. They came to an agreement with the U.S. government over its emissions scandal with the Defeat software in 500,000 vehicles in the States and around 11 million still worldwide. VW has agreed to buy back or fix those vehicles. But what happened to the company since they still may have a wide range of fines to pay and the possibility of civil lawsuits against them? To discuss this, we're joined in studio by Eric Ortz, a Guardsmark Professor of Legal Studies and Business Ethics here at Wharton, also Faculty Director of the Initiative for Global Environmental Environmental Leadership. And uh, he also is working on his most recent research, includes a forthcoming book with Oxford University Press, co-edited with Craig Smith, titled The Moral Responsibility of Firms. Eric, we have had on the show about this before, and we have noted that he is also a clean diesel VW owner. Also joining us, John Paul McDuffie, management professor here at the Wharton School and director of the program on vehicle and mobility innovation. Eric, great to see you again. Thanks for coming back in. Great to be here. Thank you. John Paul, great to have you on the phone. Thanks. Glad to be here. Uh, The results of what we heard late last week, surprised, not surprised, underestimating, where you sit? Well, I think it's a, it's a large number. Uh, Jean-Paul might have a better idea about the economic uh, uh, expectations of the, of the settlement. The, the market certainly has taken, has, has, uh, taken a bigger dip now uh, after it. I think it's pretty much where we expected it, but it is the largest recall uh, that uh, has ever occurred. Uh, we already knew the, sca- that the size of this, uh, of, of this scandal was yep. pretty large. Uh, and we're starting to see what the actual numbers are looking like. So um, I think it's a little bit more maybe than expected, but around uh, – and we don't know all the details yet exactly yeah. what uh, what's being offered. And uh, there are other uh, shoes yet to drop. So a very large law firm, Jones Day, has been uh, employed to do an internal vest- investigation. They are not releasing that yet, the details of that yet, pending – uh, discussions with criminal uh, justice authorities. So there's probably going to be criminal prosecutions here, and we don't know yet uh, where uh, where those are going to come out. John Paul, your reaction, because I guess we won't really know the full details until I guess it's almost mid to late May when uh, I guess everything is supposed to come out, correct? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there was some drama here because when Volkswagen submitted its plan first, for the first deadline in March, it was rejected um, by the government and sent him back to provide more details. So uh, we imagined that Volkswagen wanted to uh, have some sign of progress on a settlement, uh, and it looks like they did achieve that. So I think that's, you know, the dealers in the U.S. are certainly relieved because at least they have some uh, sense of moving towards resolution. Uh, but Eric's absolutely right. There's there's a lot that we don't know. Um, I think it's actually June, June before okay. the consent decree is released publicly. So they're working out all the details privately before they'll release it to the public, which includes, I think, owners. Um, so there's a lot, you know, there's the buybacks. I think consumers are going to be able to choose between having their vehicle bought back or repaired. So what are the conditions of each of those? 
Um, they talk about additional compensation. What's that likely to be? And then, sure, criminal uh, suits, uh, state uh, lawsuits, consumers with class action lawsuits. And then over in Europe, there's some noise because uh, so far Volkswagen has been saying we didn't really do anything illegal in Europe. And from various quarters, Europeans are saying, hey, we're not second-class citizens. We're your biggest uh, market worldwide. You better treat us well, too. With what has kind of played out, and we were talking about this before we went on the air, uh, but just your reaction, as you, as you said, Eric, being a VW owner, where what is your mindset right now on your vehicle and the relationship you have with Volkswagen at this point? Well, I think like a lot of owners, we've been waiting for a while now, and I think the uh, the EPA was getting a little frustrated. Uh, as John Paul mentioned, it's taken a little while yep. to get an agreement in place here. I think one reason was that the, there isn't an easy fix, it appears, on the engineering side. So you you cannot easily fix the problem of the emissions. And just to repeat that, it's a, about 40 times uh, my clean diesel. You introduced me as a clean <laughs> diesel owner. And, and unfortunately, we've, we have found out that's not a very clean vehicle because it's, uh, it's going around and, and emitting uh, about 40 times the... Um, uh, nitrogen oxides that it's supposed to under EPA regulations. And so some of my colleagues in the legal studies and business ethics department have been on me. It's like, do you still have that? Uh, do you still have that diesel? How come you're not rid of that yet? So, uh, but like a lot of owners, I think we're uh, waiting to see what the options are. And as John Paul mentioned, there are a couple of options. Probably this will, there will be a settlement offered of a buyback uh, yeah. for if you can't fix the car. Uh, or maybe there's a repair, but you have to trade off maybe some performance on that. And so then uh, consumers will be making a choice at that point what to, uh, what to do. But you're right. It's, uh, it's, very, it's an interesting case because uh, I'm not alone in being uh, what marketing uh, types will call a deep green uh, consumer. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and people like me were, have, been, have been hurt in a way that's not easy to calibrate. Or, or, or calculate what the damage is when you thought you were buying something helpful to the yeah. planet and it ends up that you uh, weren't doing you, know, you were doing the opposite so so what the um, I think there's a there's a lot of issues in that how, how is VW going to try to win back loyalty are they going to be able to prove they're going to make this better yeah. uh, how, how, we will find out some details about what actually happened internal to the company so who was responsible? How high up did it go? Are they really going to be able to fix that problem uh, and and communicate effectively to the public that they are really going to be a, a green uh, car company now? Or is yeah. that almost impossible to do at this point? So all those questions, I think, are open now. Well, John Paul, in terms of the, the technical aspects of this and, and the, the aspect of doing repairs or the buyback, what is the process that's going to happen, and how is this going to play out uh, over the next few months? Because certainly you've got a lot of vehicles that are out there still on the highway uh, that need to be addressed. Uh, yes, and you know I think um, dealers will clearly have a big role in this. But I was reading that they still haven't heard anything yet about exactly how it how it'll be handled. Um, from what I've read, the earliest cars, the oldest cars in this set, um, maybe the hardest to repair, that over this time, even though Volkswagen was uh, deploying the cheat software, they were working to improve the emissions performance of the engines. And so 
The more recent ones may be closer to compliance and easier to um, bring into compliance than the older ones. So we may see a split between buyback and repair that's partly related to the age of the vehicles. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think, also going to be related to the, the consumers. And, um, I mean, Eric, uh, as he said, is identifies as a deep green consumer. I think there are people who bought these Volkswagens because they love the peppy performance and the high gas mileage, and they may not be environmentally minded. It's not hard to find some comments on, you know, various websites, people saying, uh, you know, I'm going to take the money and keep using my car. And the question for them may be, what's there? Uh, how are you going to make sure that they get the repairs done? Because yeah. it's going to make the performance of their vehicle worse. And they may actually, if they're not environmentally minded, not have much incentive to do that. Volkswagen, uh, it, it's been widely reported, I guess, set aside $18 billion, uh, at least for now, in terms of covering the cost of uh, of, of this incident. I, I just get the sense that if we're talking about a lot of buybacks, and even if it's a almost a 50-50 split jump all, that that $18 billion with all the potential legal claims, that may be even a little bit on the low end at some point. Yeah, I would think so, and and of course the the settlements um, will probably not go to the maximum fines that could be imposed. If Volkswagen is cooperative, that will probably uh, pay off for them in some reduction of the financial penalties. I think probably there the biggest unknown is what's going to happen in Europe, because the U.S. for all of the attention it's got gotten, um, and it's because the whole scandal was caught in the U.S., and the U.S. has the tougher regulations on diesel, it's still a pretty small number of cars, in a a sense. Um, It's half a million out of 11 million of these diesel engines worldwide. Uh, So imagine that even if the financial impact per vehicle in Europe and all those other markets is a lot lower, that could uh, greatly raise the overall price tag for VW. We're joined here in the studio by uh, Wharton professors Eric Ortz and John Paul McDuffie. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Uh, we are talking about the VW settlement that happened late last week. Again, 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. The other interesting thing, Eric, I guess that it was reported late last week is the fact that uh, you mentioned about you know the the impact that this will have overseas, yeah, uh, because of the fact that you know VW being a German manufacturer and very well known in Europe. Uh, the story about the the German transport ministry recalling a variety of different diesel vehicles, you know, bringing them in right. because they could potentially have defeats often, not just VW, but a variety of different automakers. So obviously, this has the potential to continue to expand as we go over the next couple of years. Well, as John Paul said, they're a global auto company, and there's fallout in lots of other places. They're being raided uh, in different countries. Uh, Germany has announced, I I think I saw a recall of 630,000 diesel cars. So uh, the latest reports are that they've had a VW in a a market where you're seeing general uh, improvements in stock price had a 2% uh, in in performance, had a 2% decline in sales. So they have now 
gone back below Toyota, for example, in, in terms of their uh, in terms of their size and their and their success. So. Um, yeah, we, I think this is going to continue to. Uh, it's hard to put a number on it, but we're starting to see a number uh, that is uh, a pretty big one. That's a penalty for this. I mean, one of the interesting things to me is also to look at the policy implications of this and yeah. how, how you really are thinking forward in uh, in in, in uh, wh- how this improves things. So, who actually is getting hurt by these penalties now? Yeah. I mean, you're making uh, consumers are, are going to be made whole to some extent, but if you look at where the pain is going to be hitting, it's not actually on the stockholders who made a lot of money sure. while the yep. stock was going up or the executives or the managers or the dealers who were hitting nice targets when they were selling me and many others these, sure, yeah. these nice vehicles. There were people who benefited, and under our current scheme, they don't really get hit. It's really a big company that now will pay a lot of money out. But uh, another interesting feature of uh, what we'll what we'll see happen is what are they actually going to do to help to change the uh, help to make it right on the environmental side? And yeah. one one thing that's in this settlement we don't know the de- details yet is that I believe VW is going to commit a significant amount of uh, funding toward new technologies. And as John Paul yeah. said already, you know, the VW and other car companies are. Uh, working to improve energy efficiency and and so that's I think the other piece here is how are they are they going to be able to credibly commit to actually helping to uh, to improve this issue after they have this big scandal it might be one possibility if you look at some other big companies have had major environmental scandals in the past Dow sure. Chemical is one and uh, GE is another. Uh, Shell, maybe another, where they have a major environmental scandal problem, et cetera. But then, at least arguably, and I think in many cases this is true, uh, they change yeah. and they and they become uh, a greener uh, company uh, that is having a better impact on the world. So I think that's the challenge for VW here: is are they going to credibly going to be able to turn around and commit to that? better path to make this up in the future. 844-WHARTON is the number if you'd like to jump in the conversation and give us a call or ask a question of our guests. Eric Ortz, John Paul McDuffie, both of the Wharton School here at the University of Pennsylvania. 844-942-7866. John Paul, we talked about this in the the past, and obviously it's we can bring this up again, is the fact that governments seemingly have a problem in terms of making sure that these emission testing is, you know, is above board. Uh, the the numbers of people that they have able to do this, uh, the ability to actually do this testing on all the different varieties of cars that they need to do the testing on, this ends up also continuing to be a big issue that has to be handled. Sure. Uh, and, you know, in the past, the norm has been for the auto industries to essentially, the auto companies to self-inspect their vehicles for these various regulatory requirements and report the results to the government. Um, the regulators both aren't staffed up to be able to do all of that testing themselves. And in general, governments have wanted to be supportive of automakers who provide a lot of jobs and a lot of other economic benefits. So it's a you know, it's it's been uh, in many ways, in uh, in that sense, a, a, f- a friendly regulatory relationship. Of course, at times it it flares towards being more adversarial, and it looks like that is definitely going to be the trend now. Not just in the U.S. but worldwide. Mark Fields, who's the CEO at Ford, 
was just interviewed in China in advance of their big auto show opening, and he said, you know, regulators all over the world are going to become much more strict and uh, and and restrictive on auto companies, and it's going to hurt us that we've had these various uh, scandals because yep. it's going to make them more skeptical to let us be doing it ourselves. In fact, Mark Fields predicted that China might actually be one of the toughest regulators given the air pollution problems there and the government's desire to show that they're taking some action. So we may see a permanently more, I don't know, permanently, but for some time, uh, more activist and skeptical stance from regulators in many countries. And I guess that also Daimler announced on Friday that they were under investigation uh, by the Justice Department in terms of, of the testing that they had done. Uh, 844 Wharton is the number, 844-942-7866. Andrew is in Laguna Beach, California. Andrew, welcome. Good morning, fellas. How are you? Doing well. Go ahead, sir. Uh, yeah, so I was going to buy one of those beautiful uh, turbo diesels. And with no regard to uh, health or safety of the environment, purely for 50-plus gallons on the freeway, uh, miles per gallon. Um, my curiosity, a couple uh, questions, is one, uh, how badly do you think this has hurt uh, VW as a whole? And uh, really, do people really care about, I mean, I, I know there's like a small faction that, you know, they want to hug trees and make the environment better, but I live in Los Angeles, and Pollution doesn't get any worse, so I don't know how the VW car has really hurt so much. So, yeah, John, I'm curious about that, John Paul. Well, you know, VW is a huge company, um, and the U.S. is actually one of their smallest markets. And a lot of those markets where they're strong, like China and Brazil, are not places where there are very tough regulatory requirements. And then a lot of markets where they're strong, like Europe, are places that have favored diesel for years with subsidies and the like. So I think part of what's going to keep them uh, surviving through this is it's almost too too big to fail or too global and diverse in markets to be hurt uh, to uh, you know to to the the point of 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 death um, by this. How it affects their image, you know, I guess there's two pieces. One is the, the, the green consumer feels betrayed. Um, other consumers may just feel like, well, this is a pretty blatant deception. Can we trust this company? And if we have any other options, uh, maybe we're just not going to go with VW. So I think it, it, it could be the, the dishonest or corrupt um, image that could hurt them as well as the anti-environmental. And, of course, you, you may not have the choice of that same ultra-fuel-efficient car because once the cars are brought into compliance, it won't have such great uh, fuel, fuel, uh, fuel efficiency. Yeah, that's one, uh, that's one uh, problem is that it, with the fix, it, depending on what, how, what year your car is, uh, that may be a technical limitation. We don't know the details yet, but you know, even if you don't care about the environmental characteristics, and of course, uh, miles per gallon is both. You know, it's an environmental characteristic, but it also helps the pocketbook. The other part on the damages on these vehicles, uh, for those who are owners over time, is that you uh, paid more for diesel over a period of time sure, than you yeah. did for gas. So even if you don't care about the environmental uh, aspect of it at all, there's still going to be a cost and resale values uh, on on Kelly's uh, on, on the on the on the basic standards are lower. So I think it's an average of three thousand less. 
than so so even on the basic economic uh, argument, people are losing uh, money on these cars, and there that's going to be part of the settlement, whether you care about the environment or not. Andrew, thanks very much for the call. And, and John Paul, he, Eric brings up a good point. If from the financial aspect of it, just the fact that uh, that that all these consumers were were buying diesel gasoline, which you know for a long period of time was you know a dollar, dollar and a half, maybe two dollars more per gallon. Obviously, that's changed a little bit in the in the last year or two. But still, uh, you know the the people that had these cars, their pocketbook is quite a bit lighter because they were buying diesel on the assumption that they were helping the environment, most of them. Yeah. And, and now, as Eric said, that's probably got to be an important piece to this, the yeah. lost money from for those people. Yeah. No, and, and you know, the, the U.S. is not only one of Volkswagen's smallest markets, but it's one of diesel's smallest markets. And, you know, some people have speculated this might be the end of diesel in the U.S. Uh, because... It'll just be hard to get people to buy diesel with the fuel expensive, with less good performance, with the sort of taint of the scandal. Infrastructure-wise, it's not as available as gasoline is. Um, Europe will be diesel, I think, for the foreseeable future because they're so heavily committed on the other side. And not just in in Germany. France, for example, I think 60% of the sales are diesel. And those are a lot of those are, are Renault and, and Peugeot cars. So, you know, I think that's one of the interesting uh, consequences. And for Volkswagen, part of the reason for the scandal is they set these ambitious goals of being the biggest auto company. Uh, to reach them, they had to grow a lot in the U.S., which was their smallest market, hence their sort of biggest opportunity. And they thought, we're going to conquer the U.S. with clean diesel. Well, now that that's been taken away, what will they do to try to, because they'll still feel the, the pressure to boost their market share in the U.S. Will they try to do it with, with just their gasoline lineup, which still is reviewed very positively? Will they try to do a big push with electric vehicles? We'll have to see. Yeah, I think the electric vehicle option was interesting. John Paul probably knows more about the economics on this than I do, but the environmental uh, that could be uh, that could be an opportunity for VW that they are going to move into something large in in terms of uh, into the Tesla mode. You know, yeah. Maybe you have more chargers that are going to be uh, joining joining forces with some other companies trying to probably get their brand out of the out of the limelight, but to be still thought to be a, uh, a contributor to, to that sort of thing. So that may be one future direction that we're going to see. It'll be interesting to see what the, uh, what the technical commitments are to where they, where they really think the future is and what, what kind of fuel and, uh, and, and what, kind of, uh, what, what kind of vision they have for that. 844 Wharton is the number if you'd like to jump in and ask a question. We're talking about the VW settlement. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Eric Hortz, John Paul McDuffie, Wharton professor, joining us here in the studio. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Uh, what do you think, John Paul, then VW does take their tact here in the United States because, as you said, they need to add vehicles to this market. And seemingly it looked like, you know, just talking with some of the friends that I know, you know, not necessarily on the clean diesel aspect, but when they came out with the, like the CC model, when they went with a little bit of a bigger sedan model, yep. I think a lot of people thought that they were starting to, you know, to maybe get the idea of the U.S. market a little bit. Have they been able to do that? doesn't seem like they have. And... 
uh, obviously they need to, to make some changes in terms of the absolute types of vehicles that they're going to bring here to this market. Yeah, so they have this larger set of vehicles uh, with uh, three-liter diesel engines. Those actually aren't even covered by this, uh, this consent decree, so we have to wait to hear. But those are more likely to be fixable. Um, they are likely to maybe convert those to this um, system that BMW and Daimler-Benz have used where they have this separate reservoir with this separate uh, you know, supplemental uh, ammonia-based fluid, which helps with the, the clean burning. So you know, they may be able to keep a little bit of that diesel segment. Looking at Volkswagen's ads and, and seeing them at the auto show, I have a feeling they're going to just emphasize technological advancement, and they may try to steer attention a little bit away from engines towards electronics and connected car and um, maybe some of the safety features of autonomous driving. And Volkswagen has always been a very uh, advanced engineering company, and German consumers are considered kind of the toughest in the world in terms of really reading all those technical stats and making their decisions based on who has the best new features. Uh, so if they can uh, tap some of that kind of geeky interest in particularly the, the, the IT-based features that are coming in cars and, and maybe some of the new safety features, that, that could help them. Uh, it's probably going to be an easier pivot for them to say we're a technology leader with connected car than yeah. to turn around and say, uh, look at our new electric vehicles. We're the new green VW. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's probably right. But uh, uh, the autonomous vehicles and that technological side is uh, is very intriguing. It'll be interesting to see what uh, what other companies are uh, are going to be doing that uh, in in that regard as well. 844-WHARTON is the number to give us a call, 844-942-7866. We are talking about the VW settlement. Maybe you are a VW clean diesel owner. You'd like to express your opinion, 844-942-7866 to give us a call. Uh, What do you think, has VW learned anything from this outside of the fact that their wallet is going to be a little bit lighter as a corporation? Yeah, it's interesting when you say uh, v, has VW learned anything, and that's a you know that's one of the topics that we are uh, discussing in this book on the moral responsibility of firms. When we think of a company like VW, uh, academics are uh, will ask, what is VW? Because VW is this huge. Uh, Company with lots of people in it yep. who make decisions of these kinds of this kind over time, but uh, if you say uh, v- will VW learn? What it is is uh, at this point you have new executive team in place. You're going to have new information being given by uh, uh, a law firm investigating where they are. You're going to have new strategies being uh, conducted, new marketing. And uh, I think one of the questions that we ask in this uh, in this book is to look at the incentive structures and how can you, if we're really looking at moving forward, so that you don't have these scandals in the future, yeah. so you don't have you don't have this kind of uh, environmental fraud going on. How do you internally switch the standards of companies so that they are not going to be tempted to? Uh, in order to compete, and as uh, John Paul said, uh, there was very heavy pressure for Volkswagen to increase sales in the United States. Yeah. They use the clean diesel, and so then there, there's this pressure within the company to hit these financial targets, 
And the question is, how do you encourage companies when they're competing so hard against each other to also follow the rules and not sure. to cut the corners and not to look the other way when you see uh, that there's pressure on engineers to cut the corners on on how they're going to hit emissions targets, et cetera. And that's a really hard question to think about. How Will will they? And that gets back to the point I made about earlier. I think they there's a good chance that they will learn something about this and in the sense that you have leaders of the company who are – we have yet another lesson of how expensive it is. When yep. you make a big legal or ethical mistake, it's not just the tree huggers uh, like me who might say, hey, <laughs> this is not okay. It's uh, what is the charge? Uh, $18 billion charge is not a small number for yeah. this kind of a, of a scandal. And it was avoidable. Uh, yep. it, uh, they may not have quite competed as well with Toyota, but there's no reason that they could not have followed a strategy that – that, uh, that 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 could have worked out. So that's the interesting question. I I think we'll we'll see. Well, yeah. I think they're going to try to learn something. And then you know there's going to be skepticism, and it's like well, to learn something, you can't just be greenwashing. As as John Paul said, there's going to be increased skepticism. And one of the uh, about uh, other companies, uh, are you guys cheating too? And and there have been a lot of calls, and I've I've been included in this and saying you know it'd really be cheaper if companies could watch themselves and regulate themselves. And, yeah. And do the right thing <clears throat> themselves without the big government being over their head. But you then you have an event like this, and that uh, looks like maybe we do need big government sometimes. A lot of times to look at big companies. So of, that that model, I think, is maybe reinforced that you do need you do need watchdogs uh, to make sure that the. Uh, that the rules are being followed. A lot of times, the bottom line doesn't get you to the to, to that path, by, yeah. you know, by following the the straight and narrow. And sometimes, just saying "do the right thing" doesn't get the message. Yep. But uh, yep. if you don't do the right thing, you go to jail. Sometimes gets the message uh, through a little more clearly. Great to have you in the studio, Eric. Uh, John Paul, great to have you on the phone. Thanks again. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.